Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3. On the FM dial is Trent Condon and Ken Miller. We're with you here for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Thanks for joining us, at least for part of it. Here's what's coming up on the program today. The first hour of the show, we're going to devote it to at least two of the local NFL teams. We'll start with our friend Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com, where he covers the reeling Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get Nick's take on what went wrong, what's gone wrong, what can be fixed, if anything, and where this team is headed in 2021. Dane Mazzatani covers the Vikings for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. He will join us at about 10.45. Baseball front and center at 11.05 with our friend Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. We will opine on the World Series, although I have a feeling we'll get to that in advance of 11.05. And then at 11.30 wanted to do this, and what a better time to do so. The talk little high school football playoffs with our friend Cody Goodwin of the Des Moines Register. Playoffs begin for the uh, 4A and 5A, just 4A and 5 I mean, they're underway at the other classes, right? Yes, 3A, this, 4A, and 5A start this A's way. 3A also joins the fray. All right, yep. so we will talk high school sports, high school playoffs with Cody Goodwin about 11.30. Um, and then we'll get Trent's Play of the Day brought to you by Circus Sports before we get out of here. Well, Monday Night Football was... Um, Kind of a bad game. It was, it was kind of, you know, a little intrigue in it. Um, played again the storm that we watched on Sunday night. Apparently moved northward and uh, took the uh, Seattle, although it rains in Seattle every day anyway, seemingly, in the winter months. But um, that was okay, I guess. I watched the Manning cast the first half and the... Uh, normal broadcast in the second half. I was basically flip-flopped. Were you? So yeah. you missed Tom Brady. Well, I saw highlights of it. God, it was good. Least. Uh, and I saw Drew Brees, who sucked. Did he? He's awful. Really? So Why, watching was, him on Sunday Night Football, yeah. I haven't seen a ton, but that's usually, you know, getting dinner ready, getting right. bass, you know, the little window that you get on Sunday with the kids. But mm-hmm. every time I saw him, I said, boy, it's really boring. He really doesn't add anything. Yeah. And then sitting there for a half hour. He did the whole fourth quarter? Yeah. Did he? And he was bad. Mm-hmm. Anytime they'd ask him something, eh, I don't know. Hey, what are you, what are you dialing up here? What's Peyton going to do here? Eh, I'm not sure. What? It was awful. Absolutely <laughs> That's brutal. Too bad. And I thought he would have added something to the broadcast last night. I would have it rather have I just I mean, who been knows Sean two. Payton better than Drew Brees? What are they gonna dial up here? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Thanks, Drew. That's all he offered. Huh? And I've seen just bits and pieces on Sunday night football. I haven't been impressed. With the uh, I mean the pregame you're talking about, right. the halftime show with Dungy. And if he's the Tariqo. heir apparent to Collinsworth, yeah. which many people believe it'll be Tariqo and Breeze. Well, if, if last night's an indicator, maybe they're going to tap the brakes on Let's that one. Let's hope so, because that was bad. Oh, I wish I would have watched it now. Yeah. I, I, um, I At halftime, I started catching up on Wisconsin and Purdue. Oh, okay. On the 60, whatever mm-hmm. it's called. BTN and 60. BTN and 60. Boy, that's good. It's great. And um, 
I, I stayed with it too long. I came back, the game was on. I, I just, for, I guess, habit, went to 206 mm-hmm. and just left it there. I don't remember who's going to be, who did the third quarter? I don't recall. I mean, I knew Drew Brees was part of it. Yeah, that's, Brees is one that I saw. Oh, Sue Bird. Was, oh, and then yeah, didn't she, see, she yeah, was didn't barely see on. Sue Bird oh, yeah, was apparently. Yeah, makes sense. Seattle connection, yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, boy, the Marshawn Lynch, of course, he dropped an F-bomb, as you would expect. <laughs> yes. I mean, what a career this guy's carving out, right? Who would have mm-hmm. thought that he would be a pitchman in demand for TV commercials, Marshawn, and he's great at it. He really and truly is. What a character. What a character. Character is a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Drew Brees get a little. Yeah, it's, you know what? If he's yeah, I don't, you don't need the f bomb part of it, Drew. But right. you know, feel free to share an opinion for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Tell us what's going on. But listen, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning. Okay, that was good. Yeah, I'll say. I mean, really, really good. And they, I mean, they, you can tell they have an incredible amount of respect for one another. Sure. All of them. I mean, Eli beat Brady twice, or there'd be another couple of rings on his fingers, right? Um, as the Giants and Coughlin caught past him on both uh, both of the Giants Super Bowls in this century, but um, just just listening to Tom Brady, the, you know what I I've never heard this before, never heard before until Brady uttered it last night, and I'm guessing I'm not alone. Maybe I am, but Brady pointed out he thinks the middle eight minutes of the football game are the most important minutes of the game. Period. Last four minutes in the first half, mm-hmm. first four minutes of the second half. Where if you get the ball last, you clearly don't want the whoever you want to score if you've got the ball. Yep. And then if, if you did win the you know deferred or whatever, you get the ball. I've never heard it put that way before. I thought it was terrific. Uh, Peyton Manning talking, giving his center. Uh, as Colt Center, Jeff Saturday, a bunch of crap when they talked about, you know, the a fumbled snap and, you know, because they're kind of making fun at their own expense, right? I mean, yes. not the fleetest of foot, neither Manning or Tom Brady. And, you know, they're asking, so what do you do in a case like that, Tom? Well, Peyton said, what about you, Peyton? Saturday messed it up. He can jump on the pile. Um, it was really good. Just listening to those football minds. It's what the telecast is supposed to be doing, and I think it's found a niche. So, it's never going to beat the main one. No, nor should it. Right, but it's. I'm wondering if they're devoting or finding an audience that maybe would have given up on the main broadcast. Now, I find that Probably hard to believe. Not. But, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a football fan, just, yes. you're going to watch whoever's doing the game, right? I mean, we, we sat through some bad broadcasts over the last little while. And it can get boring and maybe that was the Drew Brees component that I got into and I just I wanted to keep with it because it was so bad I just wanted like to see a train wreck yeah, yeah if, if, if it would continue mm-hmm. at the route was and I guess I haven't seen anything I, I di- didn't get on Twitter as it was happening but I wonder if there was a lot of backlash you or know what Trent negativity. it's funny you mentioned that because I'm constantly on it <laughs> now, yes I know that and I don't recall seeing anything about maybe it, it was just me then I know but 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 a point being I couldn't I mean, every every time I scrolled, it was Brady, Manning, Brady, Manning. Mm-hmm. It was it was a huge buzz. Not when Breeze was on. So uh, it wasn't, oh, my God, I just learned something from Drew Breeze. That's what I want this, as much as anything. I, I, you learn something. The middle eight minutes of a football game, the most important minutes um, of the game period. Anyways, move. we'll move on. We get them next week for the Chiefs and the Giants. The promises to be a, well, I was going to say stinker, but the way the Chiefs are going, who knows? Who knows? 
um, whether they will or not. So there's a lot of folks this morning that think that what they with this team that they witnessed last night in the New Orleans Saints, they're a playoff team. Hmm. Really? That's a playoff team. I love their defense. Good defense. Although you know what, I felt bad for Marshawn or Marcus Lattimore last night. I felt like I was watching a fight in junior high school where one of the kids is, you know, you went to school with one of them, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's shaving yep. in seventh grade. Um, he's six foot two. I felt like he was almost bullying Latimer. He's so, I'm, I'm talking about DK Metcalf. He's so damn big, so mm-hmm. damn fits, so damn fast. Trent, he was punishing him. And what did he finish with? No, well, 80 two, something yards. Two catches. But. Two penalties for thirty yards. That's true because too. he did goad him into the, the, those two uh, unspo- unnecessary roughness, uh, unnecessary roughness penalties. Um, but man, it was it was kind of awkward. Not Tony Romo date Giselle awkward that we saw on Sunday. Sure, that's sure. a different type of awkward. That was bad, by the way. And then it doubled down. Right, and keep going. Yeah, right. I mean, I thought at the time, but there wasn't the kind of backlash that maybe anticipated there would be. I'm. Yeah, because I, I thought, ooh, this is 2021. You right. sure you want to make that? And I know you're just joking, but you're going to, you know, offer up a Brady's wife as compensation as a day. I mean, tell me, really? And then he doubled down. And Nance didn't, you know, or does get in his ears, you know, maybe you not. Pull that one back. You're right. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's throwing him under the bus. Maybe he's tired of Romo getting all the spotlight. <laughs> Who knows? But that was awkward. Um, but so was watching Metcalf and Latimer last night. Awkward from a physical standpoint. Well, this is a pretty easy week to flush. NFL-wise. It was awful. It was bad. Yeah. You look forward now? Well, did you see the schedule coming up this weekend? It's pretty good. We're, we're getting a good one. Well, it starts Thursday night. With a pretty good game. An excellent game. Yes. Two teams that have combined to win, what, 13 in a row? Is that what it is? Yeah. I'll take your word Packers for it. Packers started 0-1. Yeah. And Cardinals haven't lost. Mm-hmm. 13 straight victories there. What else trips your trigger? Titans-Colts, not bad. No, keep going. Well, the, the thing with Thursday night, though, Adam's on the COVID, and he's got to have back-to-back <laughs> negative tests before he's eligible to play, and they're going to need him. Here's what worries me, uh, if you're a Packers fan. They, the Cardinals got some dudes at the receiver position, yes, they do. <laughs> and the Packers have no secondary left. Um so what else trips my trigger? Let me well, let me pull it up and get in. Certainly Sunday night football does. That's big time. That is big. Now Dak Prescott is questionable with a calf. He has he did not practice. Now they're coming off a bye. Sure. Um so we don't know, but apparently he's somewhat iffy. Uh Baltimore since he's big. No, that was last week. Um that was last week. I had that game. Let me get week eight in front of me. Here. Week eight is what we're looking Cleveland, for. Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, Colts, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, Late afternoon. Yeah, New England New England and the Chargers. Like that. Tampa and New Orleans is Excellent. a huge, huge game. And here's another thing, back to the Brady cast. He's already starting his homework on New Orleans. Yes. Because he was, as they were talking about the Saints, he was talking about what he'd seen on film was brilliant. So there's a handful of games that are really good. Better than we had a week Oh, ter- last week was terrible. And now college football, even better. Certainly better than last week, well, though it turned out to be better than we anticipated. Right. The first, the, the 11 o'clock window, I mean, it's going to be Wisconsin and Iowa here, but mm-hmm. you know, it's too bad because I'd like to watch Michigan, Michigan State. Texas at Baylor. I'd love to watch that game because Baylor needs to lose and, um, you know, for Iowa State's sake so they can avoid that head to head tiebreaker with them. Of course, you got the only team in the one o'clock window. Yeah. 
Iowa State. That's such a bad window. That's such a bad window. Because you're you're into another game, right? Yeah. You're into another game. And Iowa State coming off a big win and you know, maybe they're starting to I mean they're gonna get the clone fans, right? They've got them already, but as far as, you know, uh college football fans, it's a tough window to get to because you've bought into a game at that part. Or you're looking forward to watching the cocktail party at two thirty. And it's streaming. And it's streaming. It's ESPN Plus. It's not even part of your rotation as you're right. clicking around. So what's your game plan? How how do you set it up with the ESPN Plus? Well, it's got to be on my on my iPad. On your iPad. Yeah. So it'll be on your iPad. Mm-hmm. That means what? No Twitter for you? Well, no, no Twitter. Uh-oh. I know. I'm going to shake. Gonna have to <laughs> you can get Twitter on your phone, though. Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not. It's too, it's too small. Okay. And you know, and I've told you this before, I'm developing, I don't, remember when uh, computers first came out and everybody got... Carpal tunnel? Carpal tunnel. Yeah. I've got carpal tunnel in both my arms from scrolling. Twitter. From moving my freaking finger up and down on my iPad. All night long. It's it's ridiculous. Third world problems. Anyways. Yes. Uh, so let's get to the, uh, let's get to the World Series. Game one is tonight. I bet the Braves to win the series. You did. I did. I, you know what? They just knocked off the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> Right, pretty that's, good start. That's a pretty good start. And and before that, the the Brewers, who look, they can pitch their you know what off. This Braves team, there's something about them. There's something about I like Snitker. I'd like to see Baker win. On the other hand, so there's really no manager that I'm rooting for. Um, but the Braves can pitch. Mm-hmm. The Braves have a good bullpen. Um, I, I bet the Braves. You went with the Braves. Uh-huh. What kind of price did you get on that? Uh, six to five. Okay. Six to five on this. Plus I money. think it bet rivers is where I bet it. Okay. Got some of that futures money uh-huh. from your contest win. Right. It's a good one. So the bats. Let's start right there. Okay. I mean Oz Houston's offense is obviously. Is Eddie Rosario gonna continue I hope so, at that toward pace? The answer is probably not. No. But but wouldn't it be nice if he did? Because if it continues at that level, coupled with what they have with Austin Riley, who mm-hmm. is becoming a nice star, star he is. in this playoffs. If you yeah. watched under the regular season, you knew he was good. Right. But when you do in the playoffs, it takes you to another level. Is he at some point? I mean, I'm not, because they, they used to have a pretty good third baseman in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Jones. Right. Um, I, I wonder if you'll get to that level. Probably not. Because of the TBS connection. Right. That's what that's made true. it made him such a that's, big. That's a great point. The Braves were a yeah. national brand because They were on of TV that. every day. Every day. And, they were and really the broadcast good. crew was really good. Yes, I mean uh, Skip Car- Chip Skip Carey. Yes, Skip uh, Chip's dad, uh, Harry's son, was brilliant. He, he was his excellent. sense of humor mm-hmm. was as good. As, he was as funny as you guys you're going to find in the booth. That was a good booth. It's what a national broadcast should be. Well, and it had to be Trent because when did I move here? Eighty nine. And I couldn't believe there's a game on every night on this channel. Has the Cubs every night? And I'll go over to this channel. And they got the Braves every night. I'm in heaven, right? Because that wasn't a case in Winnipeg. Nope. I didn't get those. And these guys had to be good because the games were so awful. Mm-hmm. The Braves were terrible. In the beginning of it, yeah. Oh, Tom yeah. Glavin, when he broke into the league, was just god awful. I think he was 1 in 10 at one point. Really? And now he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, so they had to be good. But you're right. Chipper Jones' star. A was good, mm-hmm. but B certainly didn't uh, didn't hurt that he had the backing of TBS behind him. So back to Austin Riley. Uh, I agree with you. Duvall is incredible, big power. And who watched him before he came over? Right? Mm-hmm. Who watched the Marlins? Solaire, Jock Peterson. We saw Jock Peterson. So we watched enough Cubs. Rosario, who I still don't understand. What was it with the Twins? Was it pure money? 
No, they were just. Did they sick have of, somebody? But who did, who took his place? They were more than anything kind of sick of his act. It was just. It was time. They had worked with him so many different times mm-hmm. too. You got to take some pitches. I mean, you can't swing mm-hmm. at everything. I think there was one point deep in one season he had like four walks all year. Oh it my just, god! Free swinging to be yeah. free swinging, and they tried and they tried and they tried. And you kind of look at the overall metrics. He's a good player. Yeah, but got some young guys coming. It just. Well, as you, as you know, when we were up the dial, he was my guy when oh, we were yeah, talking yeah. about the Twins. He was Rosario was my guy. I loved watching him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dar- uh, Dansby Swanson, not Darby. Dansby Swanson is, is a really good shortstop. Ozzie Albies can play. How do you not root for Freddie Freeman? Absolutely. Right? How do you not root for him? One of the good guys. One of the good guys in the game. And Morton Anderson and Max Freed and that bullpen, uh, once they get to that point, Trent, I think the Braves can win this thing. I think you sell a pretty compelling case. You come the other way, and I think mm-hmm. there's more There's more questions with the Astros. Is there more? Well, it's their pitching staff. I yes. mean, i got to be honest with you. I'm always honest. I hate when I say that. I know it does. It I just do. drives me nuts. I really like Valdez and Garcia. I mean, Garcia, Garcia yes. on Saturday. Game what, six, yeah. Game six. was it So they tweaked his delivery. It was it was something in the ALCS. Was, in the ALCS, they found something from he started game two to game six, and he kind of rocks the baby. Have you seen how he mm-hmm. throws? Yeah, he kind of rocks the baby and then uh, cocks his leg and um, boom and delivers. They tweak something, and he was a different cat on Saturday night. He was really really good. But I give the edge rotation wise to the Braves. I think so too. There's not the question marks that are there. How about this for uh, Garcia? He had thrown seven pitches in that game a couple nights ago, 97 miles an hour or more. In the previous 2,603 pitches he had thrown, once (laughs) did he hit 97 miles an hour. And they found it in the ALCS. His five fastest pitches tonight or the five fastest of his career. That's amazing, That was a tweet from that night. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Isn't that wild? Yes, it is. And one of those little mechanical... Mm -hmm. This isn't mechanics working with you know a fifteen year old trying to find a right. spot. This is <laughs> game six ALCS between games two and game six they found something. So let's go to the let's go to the uh, you know the around the horn with these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gurriel has been a revelation. Yes, right. Him and his brother, by the way, who's really good with the Jays, um, but he's not playing tonight. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, the, the Astro Gurriel is Bregman. Terrific. Altuve, terrific. Um, this Kyle Tucker guy, what a story. Really good. Really good. And Alvarez, the DH, really good. So offensive-wise, I mean, I'm not sold. I, I Neither one of the catchers offensively, Darnod or Darno, whatever I say his name, who came over. Do you know, how, do you know what that trade was? Can I can – I, um, I don't know if there's another Blue Jays fan in the audience or not, so I'm probably just going to upset myself. Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darno for R.A. Dickey. Oh, the knuckleballer. For one year, who was really good for the Jays for one year. They gave up Syndergaard and Darno. Yeah, that stung a little bit. Now, Darno's been had a couple of stops between then, mm-hmm. but that was one that didn't work. And I think that's uh, Alex Anthopoulos. Help me out, Anthopoulos. Anthopoulos, yes. I think that was one of his moves. He gets a ton of credit for building the Braves, and he should, but he hasn't been as good. He hasn't <laughs> had this success his entire time. So, Maldonado or Castro, who gets the start? Well, I think they want to play Maldonado just because of his defensive prowess. And Castro's not a bad. He's just older. Okay, because Castro at one point was one of the best defensive. Mm-hmm. 
catchers in the and game. And he had a lot of stops because of that, right? Right. That's he what's kept brought, him in the league. Right. He was he would move around because he was, you know, a good uh, framer of pitches mm-hmm. and really good behind the dish. 34 years old, getting mm-hmm. towards the back end of it here. But Maltonado had struggled so much early in these playoffs, and they finally gave Castro a start and kind of, I don't know, jump-started the Astros a little mm-hmm. bit uh, when Castro went that direction. So it's a matchup where I feel you can paint a pretty good pe- picture on both sides. Uh-huh. But and then for I'm that reason, I'm taking the dog. I'm, I'm jumping on with you. Let's, let's play well, this one together. Well, welcome aboard. Yes. Very rare we play things together. Right, and I'm telling you, very rare that uh, when it comes to sports anyways, that I'm on the dog. Right. Although I had I couldn't talk you into the Bengals last week, no. and I tried. No, you talked me into the Chiefs. Yeah, they did, didn't I? <laughs> now, why did you have to bring that one up? I was feeling about to give myself a big hug. For Equal it. opportunity yeah, over here. Well, you got, boy, what is wrong with that team? Well, we'll find out from Nick Athen yeah. in a few minutes, or find get his theory. I don't know, Trent, what this, how this, what, what is wrong with them? What is wrong with Patrick Mahomes? The receivers to do too much. I wonder if that's it. Yeah, knowing that you have to be perfect, and, and then he's got no running bit. game. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has not worked not out. He's not been good. I can't, and I apologize because I, I hate when I do this, where I read something or hear something and, and don't remember where I came from. But I thought it was a really good point about the offensive line. This offensive line that's rebuilt. You got mm-hmm. the young guys in there, but it was anticipated at the very least, certainly at this point, it was going to be good, mm-hmm. and it's not. And a problem with that very well could be them and the RPOs that they use, and offensive lines in general, but specific to the Chiefs, is as an offensive lineman, you are used to being road grading, mm-hmm. going downhill. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to this RPO system, kind of more read-react, have to be careful not to get too far up the field, and especially in the NFL, where you don't have that same kind of distance that you do in the college game, where it takes away some of your aggressiveness as an offensive lineman when you're continually doing that. And then when you try to go to the ground game, it just you don't get in that kind of full momentum that you're used to. And that kind of thing happened. I thought it was a point that I certainly hadn't thought of before, mm-hmm. but I think it makes a little bit of sense here. Maybe this is a reason. Orlando Brown, as talented of a guy as yeah. you're going to find. Oh, he's not had a great year. And he hasn't been good. Uh-huh. Could maybe this be more kind of a style issue right now, and they got to find a way to – get these guys in the offensive linemen a few more plays where they are coming downhill, and it's not just constantly RPO stuff. Well, they need to run the football, and they haven't had success running the football, and the defense has been just, I mean, especially the defensive line has not been good. All right, Nick Athen coming up on those Chiefs. Dane Muzatani on the Vikings. Uh, We'll pick his brain on both of those, uh, uh, both of those teams, their brains on both of those teams. Um, Can the Vikings beat the Cowboys? Yes. With Dak Prescott? Yeah, gonna have to score, but they can go up and down the field with most I think anybody so too. Look, I, I watched just the four quarterbacks we saw in prime time. Mm-hmm. Who's better than Kurt Cousins? Out of that group, out of that group, nobody. I don't. I can't. I still don't understand the hate, and it's Vikings fans <laughs> right, for yeah. their quarterback, Kurt Cousins. Look, because he was brought in to push and them he had over the, the guaranteed contract, and, yeah. and right, that's the first guaranteed, all of it guaranteed, not just a portion of it. Wait, the it whole thing, be, honestly, yeah, uh, true. In um, a league that prints money, right? But they, um, this was the first one, and for that reason, he's gonna, he's, he's got to be Tom Brady to live up to that type of deal, and he's not going to be. But I mean, the, the four quarterbacks we witnessed in prime time Sunday, Sunday and Monday night, they're awful. Boy, Russell Wilson, it just goes to show you. Uh, he's a Band-Aid. On, yeah. I mean, yeah. he covers up a lot. And you understand maybe why he wants out now? Yes, I do. 
And do you, do you understand how bad they're going to be if he gets out? <laughs> That's a bad football team, Trent. Looking at a 3-14, and 4-13 oh. and 13 kind of season. Yeah, we are. 10-25, time for a key word. Then we'll get into the NFL to those two teams. We'll try and get them all this week. Where is there they are? What's the date today? Tuesday the 26th. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. Right now it's your chance to win $1,000. That's BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Hi, Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Back to Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Time to talk some NFL. Chiefs first with Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com. Dane Muzzatani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. Matt Snyder on the World Series. You're on the Braves? I'm on the Braves. You're on the Braves. I'm jumping aboard with you. And now I have somebody to blame when I get this one wrong. <laughs> uh, let's get to, speaking of getting something wrong, boof, those Chiefs. Yeah. Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com. Nick, thank you for coming on. How are you? Sure. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Doing well. So, Nick, what is going on with this team? I thought that there's no way in hell that the Titans can beat the Bills and then six days later turn around and beat <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. And not only did yeah. they beat them, they, they beat them soundly. Put your finger on it, Nick. What? Uh, where, where's this got off the rails? You know, I think I think this offense has gotten a little stale. I think that's number one. I think there's too much RPO. They can't get into a rhythm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a passer. Let him throw the ball. Um, I think missing, they miss Sammy Watkins. I mean, they don't have that third option. Uh, and that's killing them right now offensively because right now they are double and triple teaming Hill and Kelsey. And they're not taking what the defense is giving them. They're not taking the underneath routes. They're not taking the seven, eight-yard chunks at a time. They can get every single play. Uh, Mahomes has got happy feet, and deservedly so. You know, the tackles are playing bad uh, on offense. You know, they, they need that. They need Josh Gordon to step up at some point. Hopefully it's this week to be that third option. On defense, I thought they did a pretty good job on the run with Henry. I mean, I yep. can't really fault them. Um, that, that was their focus, but they forgot to focus on the play action and they forgot to, you know, they had a, they had a lot of breakdowns in the secondary. Um, you know, part of that talent, you know, Mike Hughes keeps getting burned. Um, you know, at least Thornhill's out there. Uh, Matthew's uh, free to roam again, which is good, but he didn't really make any plays. Um, and then the lack of pass rush. I mean, Frank Clark, you might as well just, just, just cut him now and take your losses, which they won't do. He's, he just doesn't have any drive or passion. And then the final point is, honestly, this coaching staff is, is not making adjustments. They're trying to put square pegs in round holes. They keep doing it over and over again. They've been doing it since, uh, you know, even last year. And it, it's come to roost, and nobody fears the Chiefs anymore. Um, they're no lock to win this week against the Giants. And right now there's just a lot of uncertainty, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we're at that stage. But we are, and maybe uh, it's a good thing long term. They went no huddle. They tried to quicken the pace. That, of course, didn't work. They yep. they tried a lot of different things here. With the struggles that this team has, and we know the defense is going to be a sieve all season long, right. does it maybe make sense for them to go a little more ball control and not going to be able to do with the running game, but some more short passes, getting it out quick, doing those type of things, and 
And believe it or not, for the Kansas City Chiefs and this offense, maybe trying to shorten the football game going forward. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, they, they, they kind of did that, you know, in certain, certain drives this year, and they did that a, a lot more last year. The problem is they don't have a, they don't have a number one running back. Yeah. I mean, no. even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is injured. You know, he's not the guy. Um, they're still talking to the Colts about Marlon Mack. Um, McKinnon, obviously, I think the best athlete they have at running back. Um, I like Darrell Williams, but he's not an every down backer. He'd be an every down back on another roster. So, I, I, listen, they, they've created this mess because they've relied too much on Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes is, 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 is struggling because he feels like he's got to, he's got to make a big play every time he has the ball in his hand. He's got to score a touchdown on every drive. It's completely unfair what this defensive scheme has done, what the coaches have done, what Andy Reid has allowed. You know, it's time to simplify things and just put the ball in the home hands, get rid of the RPO, get Gordon out there, do more five, four wide receiver sets, let him know what you're doing. We're going to throw the ball. Okay, great. Let them try and stop that and take the, uh, the, the dump offs to the running back and the dump offs to the, to the slot receivers underneath and just get seven, eight, nine yards at a time, and then your talent will get you into the end zone in the red zone. Nick, I had uh, an exchange with a, a pretty hardcore Chiefs fan the other day who's blaming this on Andy Reid's son. And yeah. I get the distraction in the Reid house. I'm sure it is. But this was sure. this was in the, before the Super Bowl last year. This is nine, ten months later now. And I, I mean, not that, maybe seven, eight. Right. But still, I, I don't buy that, that that could be a distraction on the team. Yet he was convinced. Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, I probably know who you're talking about. Um, I, I think I think that it, it definitely, in my opinion, was a distraction for the Super Bowl because Andy Reid didn't even have a, a play sheet in front of him for half the game. So it definitely was an issue. Um, it, it's not the primary reason the Chiefs lost, but it was a contributing factor along with the offensive line. The fact that the Bucks played a perfect game. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I don't I don't think there's a carry ever. Listen, it's in the court system. You know, I'm sure money has changed hands by now. Uh, I'm sure Mama, Mama, you know, Reed has taken care of everything to let Andy focus on his task and his job. After all, he is getting paid $10 million a year right. to be the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, does he need to be a better coach? Yes. Does he need to take more control of some things? Yes. But that's the responsibility he's taken. But to blame this on, uh, you know, Andy Reed's son um, is just, it's just the wrong thing to do. That's what I it's thought. not appropriate. It's not appropriate. Listen. We can yell and scream at these coaches and these players all we want to, but you know when we go to that personal level, that's just where I draw the line. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that. I, I, I didn't buy into it at all, but he was convinced it was right. a hangover. Last year for the Super Bowl, okay, maybe it's a distraction. It should be, for God's sake, but anyways. Right. And maybe his health could be a bigger distraction, yeah, that's, too. Yeah, that's true, because didn't he have an, What game was it? Game one he had the incident? It was early the season. Uh, yeah. Baltimore-Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, it was after the Chargers game. Was it the game uh, three? Yeah, it was game three, so um, everything was clear. I mean, what really happened, you know, we can only speculate. Yeah. Um, I think I shared a, a private tweet or a private yeah, you uh, did. message with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I still maintain there was something along those lines, but at the end of the day, you know, Andy, I will say this, though. I mean, and I think this is what Chiefs fans are noticing. Andy's demeanor is different. He's, he's overly calm, and he's overly... Uh, he's not as passionate and fired up as he normally gets, you know, in some of these pressers and on the sidelines. Even with bad calls are going on, you just don't see that 
you know, that, that, that fired up Andy Reid that kind of gets the, the juices flowing and, you know, players can look at that and say, okay, my coach is really into this. I better step up. I'm, I'm just not seeing any urgency. So we did talk about it Monday for the first time. I mean, it's urgent time. I mean, the Chiefs, and he has to get the team to play, like, it's a Super Bowl every Sunday now because he gets everybody's best, and they're not putting forth their best because I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to bail it out or Andy's going to make a magical play call, and it's all going to be okay. It's not. You know, the roses are off the bloom. Um, but I need, I, I'd like to see Andy be a lot more engaged, um, a lot more emotional, and, you know, maybe say some things that, uh, you know, are a little more, uh, you know, showing Light that, of uh, fire? You know, line of fire. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just you can't be complacent in the NFL. I mean, I, I got into so many arguments this week about, oh, you know, this Chiefs team is going to be a dynasty. I waited 50 years <laughs> for my second Super Bowl, and I kept telling people, don't think they're going to go back next year. Don't think they're going to go three out of the next five. Don't think that. Because there's a reason it took 50 years. It's hard. There's a reason Drew Brees has one Super Bowl title. There's a reason Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl title. There's a reason San Marino has zero. It's hard. You know, you have to have the perfect storm. But if you look at all those teams like the Patriots and the Cowboys and the 49ers that made those, and Steelers that made those incredible runs, what is the one thing they did? They constantly accepted change. They constantly adjusted. They got out of the old players. They brought in the new players. They plugged them into the system, and it worked perfectly. And that's what the Chiefs have to learn how to do. Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com, primetimesportstalk.com. Nick, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. All right, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to thanks. talk to you. Nick Athen on the Kansas City Chiefs. And as always, thank you to Graphite Construction Group, our Chiefs conversations all season long, presented by Graphite Construction Group. Good folks over there. We will take a time out, come back, we'll look at the Vikings with Dane Mazzatani, who covers them for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 10.com. It's time for the Urology Center of Iowa audio cut of the day. Into deep left center for Mitchell, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Set up your vasectomy appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa at 515-400-3550 or iowauro.com. Happiest I've ever been in my life. (laughs) I bet. 30 years ago today, as Kirby Puckett Hits the walk-off winner in Game 6, sending Over it to Over the plexiglass. Yes. Over the plexiglass as the Twins win Game 6, setting up the epic Game 7. 30 years. I That's unbelievable. Old. That is unbelievable. I didn't realize that was... But it is. It's that long and, ago. And goosebumps still. Yeah. yeah 30 years later. It's amazing. And then Joe Buck tries to emulate his pops with last no. year, the year before, and he got killed for it. I don't get it. Uh, anyways, Dane Mozatani joins the program. He covers the Vikings. But I'm going to steal a minute from uh, from this uh, conversation here, Dane. Good to speak with you, as always, because you were in the XL Energy Center a week ago tonight uh, for the Wild Home Opener. Boy, it's good to see the Jets uh, back in the and the, and the Central Division teams getting together. It's just a different game, isn't it? Boy, that was fun. And I'm a Jets fan, and that collapse was an all-timer, and there's been some in their history, believe me. Uh, but, boy, that was a fun game. Yeah, it was a heck of a game. First, I want to bring up the Kirby Puckett play. Um, I wasn't even alive, so <laughs> that'll make you guys feel old. Yeah, I feel really um, old. Thanks, Dane. Three months later, I was born. <laughs> anyway, 
the yeah, the Wild and Jets, it's always kind of a crazy rivalry. I don't know. I had I had a little bit of concern. Maybe not concern is the right word, but was it going to be the same after a year, two years, mm-hmm. basically, of not seeing each other with, you know, the COVID-shortened season and then the 56-game condensed schedule last year? It was pretty obvious right away that the bad blood was still there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Marcus Foligno and Brendan Dillon dropped the glove. That was a classic. And I've never seen a Superman punch. I know Kevin Bieksa did it, but mm-hmm. in person, I've never seen Nor a Superman I. punch in a game. And Foligno did that, got the place rocking. To Dylan's credit, I mean, he, he held his own, um, just a true heavyweight bout. And that got the crowd into it. That got both benches into it. And at the same time, I think it calmed it down. And mm-hmm. the second yep. period, it was more of uh, an actual hockey game. But I think you needed that fight to kind of show the rivalry still existed, the bad blood was still there. And, and you mentioned the game itself. Um, total collapse by the Jets. It's a devastating loss for mm-hmm. them. Um, but wow, what a what a fun day! What a fun experience to be at the X for that. Um, you know, kind of a fluky game tying goal by Joel Eriksson and then just the beauty of a game winner. Um, kind of a three on one rush. Uh, yeah, it's exciting times in the Twin Cities. Contrary to what the game against the Predators would suggest yeah. three days ago, but yeah, I think the Wild could be a pretty special team this year. It feels a little different than it has in the past, and. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. They play in Vancouver tonight, so they, they do need a bounce back after a pretty bad game uh, two nights ago. Indeed it was. Watch some of it on uh, on Saturday night. So, or Saturday or whatever it was. Let's let's move on. It was Sunday. Uh, 5.30 or 5 o'clock, uh, they dropped the puck. Anyways, Sunday night football, uh, Cowboys and the Vikings. Boy, I'm looking forward to this game. You know, you look at the, 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 the Vikings schedule, and those three losses all of a sudden, right? The Bengals, division leader. Cardinal, division leader. Browns, contender, clear. Clearly, uh, they've got a lot of injuries on that um, on that roster, and and the way the NFC starting to shake out, I'm starting to think that you know what the safety net. If they can't win the division, the wild card is going to be there, and I think this Vikings team has the talent and the ability uh, to be in the hunt right to the end. This is a big spot on Sunday Night Football, but the Vikings look to me like they're 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 a playoff team potentially. Yeah, I think you're right, Ken. Um largely because the bottom of the NFC is so bad. It's such a top-heavy conference right now. And they're like, you look at where the Vikings are at, they're just as good, if not better, than I think a lot of the teams they're going to be competing with for that final wild-card spot. And remember, there's one more now because of that additional wild-card spot. So, I mean, who are you battling against? The Giants? (laughs) Like, the the Falcons? Like, I mean, there's going to be a spot there for the taking. But, you know, you mentioned Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys coming up. It's a very important week, or a month, I should say, for... It's obviously an important week for the Vikings coming out of the bye, but this month-long stretch could define the season. Four really tough games coming up here. Cowboys, and then I think it's Ravens, Packers, Chargers. Um, if you could somehow be 2-2 two and two out of this month and go into the final month of the regular season, two games against the Bears, game against the Lions, if you could go in at that point 5-5, five and five, I think... At that point, you're thinking, yes, definitely playoffs. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they kind of play this weekend against the Cowboys. That's a dynamic offense. Sounds like Dak Prescott's going to be back. I know he's been nursing a, a calf injury, but they had the bye week as well, like the Vikings last week. I think he's going to be healthy. Can the Vikings defense contain a potent, dynamic Cowboys offense? That's going to be the biggest key. 
I think the Vikings are going to be able to score with the Cowboys. Um, I would say don't throw to Trayvon Diggs' side. Right. He's going to get picked <laughs> off. But at the same time, like the Vikings' offense can score with anybody. It's just a matter of can the defense get enough stops mm-hmm. here um, against, I would guess, argue the best offense in the league right now. Yeah. Um, say what you want about the Chiefs. They don't look the same. Um, the Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson, I know they're, they're dynamic, but the, the Cowboys have so many weapons, and it'll, it'll be a good test. I think we'll know if the Vikings are for real or not coming out of Sunday Night Football. We saw the debut last week of Christian Derrissaw before the bye week against Carolina. Pretty good defensive front, and I think he held his own. Saw a pro football focus. He gave up just two pressures all game long. Not a bad debut for the big guy out there. How much does that help solidify that offensive line? Feels like it's a question every single year with the Vikings. But, boy, you get a left tackle out there that you feel good about for the next 8-10 years. Pretty good building block. Your thoughts on Derrissaw and the offensive line as a whole going forward? Yeah, I think if he's as good as advertised, or you know, he was hyped coming out of the draft, and then we saw him get like half the snaps against the Lions. It was weird because like when he was in the game three weeks ago, the Vikings offense was good. And then when they switched out for Rashad Hill, the Vikings offense was bad. So you saw like glimpses two or three weeks ago that, that Christian Dare saw could play and, and, and was the blocker that we thought he was coming out. Um, and then to see him make his NFL debut or, you know, his first career start against the Carolina Panthers and look as good as he did, I think that gives you hope. Um, if you're a Vikings fan, certainly if you're a Vikings front office, if you're Mike Zimmer, that maybe this guy can be the stalwart that you've been looking for for a really, really long time. Um, it's been a turnstile at that left tackle yep. position. I don't know. Like, I don't want to go all the way to back to Brian McKinney, but, like, mm-hmm. I can't think of many, like, you know, Riley Reese, whatever. Like, it's you haven't had a stalwart franchise left tackle in a really long time. If Christian Dersaw can be that, I think everything else kind of falls into place on the offensive line. Brian O'Neill on the other side at right tackle, he's really good. So if Dersaw can be, you know, what would merit a first-round pick, the talent that we thought he was coming out of Virginia Tech, that would do wonders for the team. Um, and we all know Kirk's a really good quarterback when he has a clean pocket. Um, if the two bookends between Darisaw on the left and O'Neal on the right can keep that pocket clean, uh, I think, like we said, we're looking at a, a playoff team right here. Dane Wizzitani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press is our guest. It's Miller and Condon here uh, on fourteen sixteen one hundred six point three FM. Uh, I had no idea KJ Osborne was going to at least uh, tease the Vikings fans with some ability here. I, I didn't know anything about him coming out of Miami. Don't remember him as a as star. Certainly don't remember him in his rookie year. He played very little, but he's starting to, I think, gain the confidence uh, of the of the off, of the coaching staff and maybe the quarterback all of a sudden they've got a third receiver to, to go along with Jefferson and Thielen what's behind his development Dane oh my gosh I love that kid so I thought he was I thought he stunk last year like I thought he couldn't run routes I thought he couldn't catch the ball I think a lot of it had to do with confidence um I actually did a story on him back in training camp talked to his high school coach I think he's from Esplante I don't know how to say, if I'm saying it right Michigan um it's Solanti. yep doesn't matter. Um, he His coach said, look, he's done this before. He was a kid who he started off at, in Buffalo, University of Buffalo. He, he was like a bench player for the first year on campus. You know, ends up breaking out in his final two, three years at the, with the Buffalo program. Then he grad transfers to the University of Miami, kind of comes out of nowhere there. And so 
I'm thinking about, okay, is maybe it's just a year. He, he needs a year to feel comfortable. And, and the coach said basically yes. Like his high school coach said, this kid, everywhere he's gone, has surprised people. And it, it would not shock him if he surprised people this year. Well, fast forward two months in the season, I think he has. Um, you mentioned the third pass catcher. I think that was supposed to be Eric Smith Jr.'s role. Everyone was talking about the breakout season mm-hmm. that the tight end could have. And the Vikings were, were you know, searching, finding, hoping to find a, a, a third threat to go along with Jefferson and Thielen. And I think they have that with K.J. Osborne. He's not just making catches. He's making big catches in big situations. Um, you want to think back even to you know the game against the Cardinals. There's a fourth down catch. Uh, it, you know, he makes that catch, makes it look easy, sets up a field goal, 37 yards that should have gone in. Um, <laughs> and then fast forward to the Carolina Panthers game, the, obviously the big catch in overtime. He's doing everything right, and I think Kirk Cousins is finally starting to really trust him. Um, Cousins is someone who kind of robotically trusts his reads, um, but you've seen it over the past month or so. He's okay throwing the ball up to K.J. Osborne sometimes just like he would feel okay throwing the ball up to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, that's a testament um, that trust he has is a testament to K.J. Osborne and the work he's done so far. Dane Musitani, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Dane, thank you for doing this for us. Appreciate it. We will uh, talk to you uh, down the road. Dane, thank you. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Dane Musitani, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Kenny Nwangu has been activated has off the he? IR. Uh, they also released uh, Abdullah. So, and he saw he caught on with somebody right away. Yeah, but there's going to be a role for him at the very least. Got to figure kick return yes. is obviously the talk, but maybe a little bit more than that. Sunday night football, Kenny Kenny Nwango with his pro debut. How about that? Good for him. Uh, he's got a chance. Smith Marset, mm-hmm. likewise, a couple of our locals on that Vikings roster. Uh, we will come back. We're going to talk a lot of baseball and looking forward to it with Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. Bottom of the hour, high school playoffs are upon us. Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. Miller and Condon, hour two, coming up next.